Good afternoon and welcome to the Auto Retail Network, the latest, the latest in our series uh, of COVID webinars. Today, the focus is on used cars, uh, a hot topic uh, and the core of most automotive retail businesses. So we'll be looking today at sourcing and pricing in the used market. Uh, and I'm delighted to welcome our panel of guests. Uh, we have with us uh, Neil Smith from Imperial Cars, uh, also Rupert Pontin from Kazana, uh, Bex Clark from Auto Trader, um, and also from Chrysalis Loyalty, Mark Fretwell. Over the next 30 to 40 minutes, we'll be discussing a number of topics. Your questions uh, can form and will be most welcome to form part of that discussion. Uh, you can join in the conversation by typing in your question, which comes through to uh, Tristan uh, in the studio, uh, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive. Um, questions more than welcome on any topic around used car sourcing and pricing. Uh, we won't be focusing particularly on things like furlough. Uh, we are looking at this uh, in this webinar to concentrate on the, the commercial aspects, the operational aspects of used cars. So I think we'll turn first of all and say a welcome to uh, Neil from Imperial Cars. Neil, uh, business has started, the doors have reopened uh, across your sites. How has business been? Uh Buoyant, really. Um, whether we can attribute that to pent-up demand or not at the moment, we probably could. But, uh, yeah, we're seeing good levels of activity and um, customers coming back uh, probably far in far greater numbers than we would have anticipated. And, and do you get a sense uh, in terms of the appetite and the enthusiasm and the interest in the market? I know everybody's going to talk it up. And if you listen to sort of the marketing and some of the PR that's out there, the world's a wonderful place. But, but what's the reality in the showroom? Um, reality in the showroom, I think, in terms of uh, inquiry levels and sort of referral to the website levels, um, I'm sure Bex will be able to add to this. But from an auto trader referral perspective, we're seeing 36% uplift on the same time last year. Um, in terms of activity in showroom, we're very closely managing that presently and we're also managing resource. So we are keen not to see a volume uh, number being sold with reduced profits. So we're, we're managing quite a few or juggling quite a few balls at the moment in terms of resource, profitability and volume. Uh, we're also, uh, and another point we'll get on to later is purchasing, we're restricting our purchasing at present. Um, we don't need to buy stock and we'll only buy stock if competitive. So although we're seeing it buoyant, we are closely managing the whole throughput of consumers, not just from a social distancing point of view, but from a resource level, uh, managing pricing ourselves in terms of making sure we're holding on to, to the profit levels. And um, yeah, it, it's down to us really as to what volume we deliver and we'll bring people back in as, into the business as and when needed. We'll come back on some of those points. Rupert, um, obviously looking in terms of the market and, and what is going on in terms of, of, of pricing, what are we seeing at the moment with values? Okay, so uh, we uh, work from retail pricing backwards uh, the, and uh, what we've seen over the past few weeks since the showroom has opened, showrooms have reopened, is that pricing has continued to increase across most age and mileage profiles. Um, that was pretty much the story during the entire lockdown period as well, but uh, specifically in the last three weeks we've seen pricing continue to increase. Is it, is it simple supply and demand? There's less stuff, therefore the price goes up, or is it more complicated than that? 
Well, uh, that's difficult for us to uh, work out. Um, I mean, it'd be out of this world if we could if we could see it clearly like that. But there are some uh, there are some factors you need to take into consideration here. Um, retail pricing is shifting upwards slightly, and I think that's partly due to the fact that there is uh, less. Uh, wholesale stock available, uh, and I think that uh, with less wholesale stock available, the margins are being squeezed slightly. And I think possibly what's happening. Neil would have a, a clearer view on this. I mean, we uh, we we heard that he's uh, uh, not shifting pricing, um, but I think that it is uh, uh, retailers looking to make sure they continue to maintain a sensible margin, and that's absolutely the right thing to do. Where there is good consumer demand, and it would appear there is good consumer demand, but we'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure, um, it makes no sense to be reducing a retail price uh, because they will not, a retailer will not be able to replace the car that they sold. You're watching Auto Retail Live. Uh, today's webinar is focused on used cars, sourcing and pricing. Uh, it's a topic that is uh, enjoying much discussion around various forums. If you would like to contribute uh, or you have a question for uh, any member of the panel, uh, please do just enter your question in the panel below or you can use the hashtag ARNLive. Uh, Bex Clark from Autotrader, uh, we've talked there, we started the conversation around pricing linked to demand. Um, you have the marketplace in front of you, you see what's happening. Is demand holding up, increasing or falling away? Yeah, morning everyone. Um, from a consumer demand perspective, there's no doubt it is extremely buoyant and healthy right now. Um, we've obviously been monitoring demand on a weekly basis and just looking at kind of the most recent figures up to the 21st of June, overall audience levels on Autotrader were up year on year, circa 26%. Um, and, you know, in terms of the number of people that represents, typically we're seeing about 1.4 million unique users on site every day. And, you know, to Neil's point as well, it is playing through in terms of you know, what does that mean in terms of leads for our retailer customers? And no denying it's bringing some challenges, just, you know, managing the volume of leads that are coming through. And, but typically, you know, we're seeing 25% more ad views at this time of year, year on year. Um, and leads, this is what's been really phenomenal. Leads have been, you know, upwards of 80, 90% growth year on year. Obviously, some of that when we were still in lockdown was as a result of, of car buyers not being able to, you know, physically but even post 1st of June, since England opened, um, whilst the, the lead dynamic is shifting, they're still, you know, um, really healthy year on year. Um, I think just I'll picking up on the, the pricing points as well from, from Neil and, and Rupert. We've, we've monitored kind of three key metrics throughout all of COVID, which has been the number of retailers that are making price changes um, how many vehicles are seeing price changes? And then the third one is how much of a price change are we witnessing? Um, as an overall, we've seen a greater proportion than normal holding prices. But of the retailers that are changing prices, totally supports what Rupert's saying. Those price changes have typically you know, been higher than we would see normally. So movement upwards Um and, you know, just in terms of the retailers, you, to give some context, normally we'd see around two and a half, maybe to 3,000 retailers a day changing prices. Last week, that was about 1,800. It had been as low as kind of 480 in COVID. So it is definitely creeping back up. 
still, you know, well down year on year. And equally, the stock volumes that's being repriced, um, you know, is, e is equally significantly down as well. So we're seeing, you know, in, in the main, no distress in terms of pricing. I think that Neil's point early on is exactly what we're seeing in the market, thankfully. Um, and as we say, any positive increments tend to be born out of that supply challenge that we've, we've faced since June the 1st, since England opened. And is that a uniform uh, growth or is, is it in particular segments either of vehicle type or fuel type because the diesel and petrol debate continues? Is the growth everywhere or is it stronger and weaker in certain parts? We, we have seen the typical, um, let's just say, um, performance in terms of premium has typically performed better than some of the volume brands. Um, again, no surprise that some of those German brands have, have performed particularly well um, and some of the volume at the lower end. When we, look, when we look at price point of vehicle as well, because we were expecting perhaps to see that lower price vehicles were even more in demand, just given a lot of the consumer changes that we've seen. But actually what we've seen from a price point perspective is it is representative across all prices of vehicles. Um, you know, which again is encouraging. And actually, from a fuel type perspective, petrol and diesel, without doubt, have been you know those that are highest in terms of year-on-year -year performance. Okay, thank you. thanks, Bex. Let's turn to some of the communication issues with customers, because uh, as part of our webinar, we like to look at some of the practical uh, aspects of it as well as as market um, insight. Um, in terms of that engagement, Mark, um, with with your work through through Chrysalis Loyalty. What is it that um, retailers should be working on at the moment in terms of there's a challenging market, there's issues with supply and demand? Um, what are the messages that, that we should be working on with customers? So I, think, I think what we've seen is through lockdown, dealers have, um, have been running with very small scales and teams. And they've been focusing on really trying to reassure their customers. The, the normal sort of market apparatus hasn't been in place, um, thinking particularly of customers whose, whose contracts have been ending. Um, and perhaps wondering about whether you know, their car, they need to reinsure their car, how, how it's going to be delivered. They can't take it back to the, to the dealership. So that, that's been the focus during lockdown. Um, and it creates some pent-up demand. But of course, you know, the number of contracts ending it doesn't stop just because we've, uh, we've now restarted. There are, there are more customers adding to that. So it's, it's going to take a few weeks for, for dealers to, to work through that. And um, you know, we say what we always say, which is the focus is on, on segmentation. Um, you're going to need, to need to deal with the, the customers um, in the most urgent position, most urgently. Um, and um, but I think it's also important to remember that it's, it's always a good idea to try and reach customers more than six months before the end of their agreement, because that's usually the period in which they start shopping around um, and you're at risk of losing, more risk of losing them to a competitor. Um, in relation to the current supply situation, I think that segmentation really applies to looking at your existing database and thinking about the cars that you may be looking to source in the used market and finding those at a good age and mileage point for bringing back into stock and focusing on those customers first um, to help, um, help alleviate issues that you might be seeing elsewhere in your business. Keep and keep talking, keep communicating seems to be uh, the, the, the kind of the recurring message. And um, questions yeah. coming through and, and room for more if you wish to uh, make a point or raise a question with a panel, uh, please do so either directly uh, through the, the webinar or using the hashtag ARN Live. Um, 
Gillian Murray um, from Arena. Um, hi, Gillian. Uh, has a question. I think we'll start with Neil with this one. In terms of the role that digital has played in used car marketing, obviously over the last three months this has changed, but how has it changed and, and will it affect the way that we do business in the future, Neil? <clears throat> um, yes. Yes, and certainly it will affect how we will do business in the future. So during lockdown, we uh, really accelerated what we'd been doing for the last two years, really, which was try and get the online platform to be self-serve. So website, introduced the new website purely for um, self-serve and just allow the consumer to do everything they can from the comfort of their own home. If they want help, we'll have telephone calls with them, we'll engage with them online via live chat and, and all the other communication channels. And we've started to adopt Zoom technology, not just to, uh, from our contact center to deal with queries and customers in their homes, but also within our stores. So the digital piece for us has, has expanded beyond online and is now in store. And because of the adoption of video conferencing over this 12, 13 weeks of lockdown, uh, it's been quite an easy tool to embed into our systems, but also for our uh, consumers to adopt so we now have limited staff at site level we've taken a lot of the staff into HQ and from there we are delivering cars via zoom technology we are helping consumers on site uh, with our automotive experts that are based at head office with zoom technology we've got zoom enabled booths zoom enabled pods and we're doing as much as we can remotely not just as a reaction to the requirement for social distancing uh, but what it's done is made it a far more efficient process and a far less pressured process for an individual consumer as they're able to complete most of the transactional piece from home they come to the site they get uh, greeted by um, what would have been traditionally a sales exec they may still carry out part of the qualification but their main role is to get them into an unattended test drive from the vehicle they've committed to or uh, via a deposit and then if that test drive is successful it is then a case where we put them into a, a queue a digital queuing system and they then end up uh, in a zoom pod or a, a zoom office and they handle the transaction using shared screen technology through zoom uh, with one of our delivery managers that are now based at head office so we've we've accelerated that massively over that period of lockdown and it's the probably the adoption of this video conference technology over that period by everybody for socializing, for family, for friends, that's allowed us to do that. If we'd done this prior to COVID, um, I think it would have been a very hard sell for our consumers to be sat in what is a little more impersonal circumstances now, but they're still getting that face-to-face, -face. they're still able to build a rapport, and we're seeing some good results from it. You mentioned that how far can you go with Zoom? Because I, I can I can follow the the journey you explain then. But when you get to handover, I guess at that point you're then into a physical um, interaction. Can Zoom be part no, of that or still, not? Uh, yeah, no, the hand the, the whole delivery piece is now done via Zoom. So for us, it's it's uh, we'd call them business managers. So that business manager piece. Once the customers had the unattended test drive, they come back into the showroom. They're then if they're happy to proceed with the purchase, they are then put into a digital queue, just like if you go into Argos or you go into McDonald's and you place your order on your touch screen, you're then told, number one, two, three, Neil Smith, your order is up in five minutes. So they go into a similar queue here. Uh, they're then shown 
into the pod or into the office. They then connected with the individual who's going to handle that delivery at head office. Uh, they will share the screen at appropriate times for the completion of documentation uh, to go through the regulatory details around finance, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of that process, they are then re-engaged with the individual at site who hands over the, the, the uh, keys in a safe manner and the customer drives away. The, the deal pack is um, all the associated documentation is emailed to them. It's all digital. So we are, we are limiting the physical contact at site now. Uh, what it's doing is providing this with greater efficiencies from a head office level and a head office point of view. We have massively reduced the time the consumer has to spend on site. So traditionally, from not knowing a consumer walking in the site, it might have taken them three and a half to four hours to buy a car from start to finish. Because that journey is now being completed online for the majority of that, they can be in site less than an hour. They'll have test driven the car. They'll go into our delivery suite and they'll spend 30 minutes with the delivery manager and then they'll drive the car away. Digital transformation um, in action. Thank you, Neil. A question we've had from Peter Smythe at uh, Swansway Group. I think, Rupert, let's start with you. Um, Peter's point is it was predicted by experts that values would drop in April and May. Uh, and he's curious as to why that didn't happen. Uh, that's a really, really good question. Um, and uh, I'm not sure why those experts predicted that. Certainly from our perspective, we didn't anticipate that happening. Um, I think uh, perhaps the differential here is the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the way in which we work as a business. So we're looking at uh, real-time retail information. Um, and uh, some of the other uh, providers of pricing information don't work with that methodology. A lot of it is based on uh, opinion and subjectivity. And I think that the important thing, particularly in today's marketplace, is to use real-time information um, and not guess at something. Um, you know, the, the, the facts are there in front of us, and I think that uh, it's important to acknowledge those and work with that data. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really not sure why they predicted a drop. Question, Gary. Sorry, supplementary to that from Gary um, Hodgkiss. Uh, thanks for your question, Gary. Who, who asked, are transaction prices matching advertised prices? Um, that is something Neil may be able to answer better. From our perspective, we look and track retail pricing, and uh, we base our information on that retail advertised price because that's the price that's attracting people through the door, and that's the price that's creating the interest in the vehicle. Uh, the information that we have in terms of uh, transacted price is that very often these days, and I think uh, Bex has some information on this as well, um, is that very often the transacted price is very, very similar similar to the retail advertised price. There may be some incentives offered in other ways, um, uh, but that's really a question for, for Neil to answer. Neil, I mean, you, you're seeing it. I, you, you, if I believe, have a kind of this is the price policy. So it, it, is that policy still in force or has that changed because of COVID? Um, no, not changed at all. So we've had a no negotiation policy for over three years now. Um, the reason we've put that in place or the reason we put that play in place was that we competitively priced the market. We used the price indicator tools online uh, through the classified platforms and we ensure that we're pricing at 98, 99% of that market value from day one. So we have justification when we're talking to consumers, we can point them in the right direction to see that the vehicle is priced correctly. Uh, right now, that's not changed at all. We're still pricing at that level and we're standing firm on, on that policy and 
Look, there are times that if the deal's right and we're working towards the end of the month, we might do something. But 97, 98% of what we sell is at the advertised price. And Al, from an auto trader perspective, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I was just going to say that's that's absolutely you know what what we're seeing. The majority of retailers, as we said, absolutely you know holding firm on prices. If there are any changes, as I mentioned before, we're seeing typically you know slight increases upwards. But there's this definite from speaking to customers, this definite um, feeling of you know not distressing the market, of holding firm. We almost referred to it throughout um, lockdown originally as it, it felt like the market had been paused um, throughout that duration. And now the market's come back. It's kind of, you know, I appreciate it's not back to business as usual, but the market is is reigniting. And I guess, you know, nobody wants to go into the same situation that perhaps we saw back in 2008. And I think there are a lot of people that remember that and, you know, are very much staying t tight on, on pricing to avoid that moving forwards. Um, Rupert's point around retail back valuations again, of course, you know that's that's absolutely you know the way that that we work from a pricing perspective. We recognise that you know for some some people trade pricing has perhaps been more challenging due to limited observations more recently, and um, you know and possibly some errors have been made. But fundamentally, you know, is to a B two B price does not feel as important as really being in tune and now more than ever with the live. Exactly concur with with what you know the others have said. Beck, stay with us because there's a question actually relevant here from Steve Jackson um, from BNP Paribas. Thank you for your question, Steve. Uh, his point is auctions appear to be, have about fifty percent of normal traffic at the moment. Um, what's going to happen to prices when obviously volumes return to potentially hundred percent? Yeah, and it, and it's a great question. I want to know that that everybody is 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 kind of watching and. Um, you know, and, and I guess this plays back to that point earlier around this shortage that we've seen in recent weeks. And, you know, again, some customers have said this this should not have been a surprise to anybody. Four courts opened on the 1st of June, but clearly auctions, you know, couldn't open until the 15th of June. And to that point, you know, it, it's more on, on the virtual side. Um, so clearly, you know, we are typically seeing prices, you know, at trade going, you know, well above cap value, you know, 105, 109 kind of percent. I guess as, as supply starts to come through, which we absolutely believe it will, then you could argue that some of those, um, you know, prices will start to come down again as supply and demand ultimately is balancing, you know, in a, in a really healthy way, which indeed is what all of us, you know, want. Certainly from a dealer auction perspective, you know, who are obviously we're very close to, um, you know, they, they've seen some, you know, typically, you know, very healthy prices on dealer auction. Um, over the last couple of weeks, but I don't think anybody thinks that will just, you know, continue ongoing as the market does return to some semblance of normality. Mark, in this in this strange uh, market, uh, everybody's sort of working their way through it. There's a, there's a limited supply, obviously, of um, new car sales, or there are low new car sales. Maybe some of that is uh, stock waiting to be sold. Maybe it's demand. W what impact is that having kind of on the, the, the customer engagement with regard to used cars? Um, so customer engagement on on used cars. Um, I think um, I suppose probably the, the majority of clients we work with are more new car focused. But um, I mean, the, the people we speak to in the car supermarkets are they're, they're reflecting what um, what Neil's saying. Really, um, demand is very very high at the moment. Um, they're struggling to buy stock. 
to keep up with demand. Um, I spoke to uh, car supermarkets earlier this week who, who told me that um, they've never known the market to be so strong. Um, so, um, so very, very high. Um, I think the, the short-term impact on, on equity for customers who are looking to change is obviously going to be positive. But um, I think you've got to um, yeah, kind of consider what Bex was just talking about, that we're not really in a normal market at the moment. Supply and demand haven't equalized, and it's that imbalance that's, that's driving that. Um, we all would like to know what happens when, when the market mobilizes. Um, lower volumes of new car sales at the moment um, should create an environment where um, funders can consider strengthening residual values on the agreements that they're writing now. Um, and that's the, from, from a retention perspective, that's the probably the more positive impact um, in terms of opportunity levels because it's, it's that joining of the equity position and the deal that's available on the new vehicle that's, that's so important. And, uh, and obviously, brands are um, working really hard to, to get the market moving again with, with their incentives that they're providing. So um, you know, if you have all three working in the same direction, obviously, it creates a, a really positive um, situation for renewals for, for everyone um, that's crossing new and used cars. Uh, Rupert, thinking about, because you obviously have a, a, a big foot in remarketing in, in the Remarketing Association, um, some of the challenges, obviously, we've seen in, in during COVID and post-COVID, obviously, is that the, the time it takes to prepare vehicles takes longer. So that presumably is having some impact on the speed of sale and, and the time to actually, you know, transact and be able to turn your stock. Well, yes. Um, I mean, VRA uh, have close links, obviously, with uh, the remarketing uh, supply chain um, and uh, the auction houses. And uh, one of the difficulties that they've experienced is actually being able to uh, bring staff back into work. They've also faced difficulties in relation to the uh, social distancing and therefore the speed with which they, you, you're right, not just, to, not just to clean and prepare the cars, but also taking them on site. So whilst there is a, probably a greater supply of cars wanting to be uh, remarketed, the difficulty is getting them through the door getting them prepared. And then, of course, you have the difficulty in relation to actually getting those cars out to the dealer that's bought them. Um, you know, the, there are reports and they're valid reports that it, it's difficult to collect the car you bought because you have to be able to book a slot. It's not as we were three months ago where you just walk onto site having paid for a vehicle, send some drivers down and they would collect the cars. You now have to book an appointment slot. And if you think about the volume of vehicles that are being sold, um, uh, that's very, very difficult to manage that situation. So, I mean, that in, in, in itself is, is restricting the supply of vehicles that the retailer has to sell, which is why it's so important not to be doing anything uh, uh, crazy with pricing and moving pricing downwards because there's no need to. Neil, um, can I come back to a point you made uh, a few minutes ago when you were talking about stock and, and um, your approach, your attitude towards bringing in new stock? If we're seeing kind of the speed of sale, um, you know, people are, are moving through quickly. Um, what, what's your thinking behind not investing in, in much new stock? Uh, we were well stocked before COVID. So we would have had 3,500 vehicles in stock. Um, obviously, probably 700 of those were split between pipeline and prep. So we had, we had residual stock there. Um, we're also... As I said before, we're managing our sales volume based on what we were projecting and we're ahead of what we were projecting. So we have um, controlled that sales volume. We're also managing our profit and we're holding good profit at the moment. We're, we're above where we were in February in terms of profit per unit. So 
what we're looking at is how we manage our stock levels going forward, looking at our stock turn. We firmly believe with the new processes we put in place and the demand currently, we'll see an increase in stock turn. So we will, in the next couple of weeks, have to start looking at how we buy volume again. But we're very fixated also on buying the right stock at the right price. So this demand, the one thing I would say is there's got to be a, a level of caution at the moment. And what we don't want to be doing is going and buying stock at a high price, overstocking, and then three weeks down the road, suddenly see a, a dead cat bounce and the, the demand drop off the edge of a cliff. So I think we've got to control volume, we've got to control buying, we've got to control profit and have one eye on the future and look at where this goes in three to four weeks time. This could well be a window of opportunity where we can sell volume, but do we need that volume going forward? I think that's probably uncertain at the moment. A question, actually, for which I'll stick with you, Neil, if I may. Cliff Deller, uh, hi, Cliff, uh, regular, um, from Aston Barclay Remarketing. Cliff asks, what's the most popular price range of cars um, that people are, are buying? Uh, we are seeing that sub £10,000 uh, price car very popular at the moment. And um, on the back of that, that's probably the most expensive car to buy at auction at the moment. But the... We're still seeing a good demand for the stock that we hold, which is across the range, really. And our average sale value is £15,000. But we are seeing a, a, an increase in demand for that sub-10. Bex, a question um, from Peter Smythe from Swansway Group, uh, an interesting one, perhaps for a couple on the panel as well. Uh, Peter's point is, obviously, traditionally, um, as a retailer, you have a policy on kind of time to turn uh, and you get to that date when you either were traded or, or some other action is taken. Uh, Peter's question is, what's the panel's advice in the current situation? Um, I, I wouldn't be in too much of a rush to, uh, uh, to put a car out of the door. Uh, particularly when the supply chain is so stretched. Um, it's a really difficult one, and, and every business will have their own uh, requirement on, on funding and so forth. But um, it, it, if it's possible, I guess almost to zero uh, the car's days in stock to the point the showroom's open would be an ideal place to be in um, because, as Neil was saying, there is this window of opportunity over the next few weeks. Uh, and as I've, I've stressed, you know, if there's not much... Um, the, the correct volume of uh, wholesale stock available, uh, getting rid of a car swiftly by dropping a retail price uh, may not necessarily be the right route forward. And do you, do you sense um, yeah, that this... I would, uh... Sorry. Sorry, sorry Bex. No, I, I was just going to add, I think a lot of the things that we talk to is around best practice in terms of speed of sale, you know, when you when you've physically got the vehicles, still very much apply now you know as much as before of course i think what is different is from a car buyer perspective they're looking for these safety measures safety elements peace of mind you know from the retailer perspective so typically i mean we're seeing some great examples of retailers you know neil mentioned earlier you know just doing some amazing things to make sure that the consumer feels confident in the retailer you know as much as the vehicle once they've first seen it wherever they've seen it online um, so that whole safety element and reassurance, I think, brings another dimension, you know, to, to, to current retailing perhaps than we saw before. But best practice, a lot of the things that we have talked about, you know, for a long time, all of us still still very much apply. 
In terms of, of, of that best practice and keeping customers reassured, Mark, I guess that's something that kind of comes out in the message. I know you've got to, when you've got to trade the car, you've got to trade the car, but you presumably want a message in there about the world has changed and the retailer is, is, has changed their approach and you should feel confident going to change the car. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, so it's like Neil was saying, you know, we're seeing um, huge, it's a huge accelerator for the adoption of digital communication with customers. Um, you know, we've been producing, um, busy producing new features that we think are very needed at the moment, things that were perhaps further out in our roadmap, um, the ability to do digital renewal presentations for customers, um, using a, a Zoom type, um, type tool, um, and um, thinking about things, ways of sharing renewal offers online with customers. Um, do as much as you, you can before um, customers come into the showroom, um, because actually your capacity is going to be quite limited for, for all sorts of reasons. So, um, so I think it, yeah, it's absolutely vital. Um, and that's, that is what customers want. I mean, I don't know how many of uh, my fellow panelists are itching to go into environments where there are lots of people. Um, I mean, I'm still minimizing it. You know, it's, um, I don't really feel particularly inclined to jump on a plane or anything like that at the moment. <laughs> You're watching uh, also. Uh, I guess another play. point to that. Hmm. Sorry, no, we've got this lovely delay. I was just yeah. going to say, I guess another point to that as well is, um, as I think Peter will be aware, you know, we, we brought to market early in COVID, actually earlier than anticipated, a market insight tool. And that allows retailers to understand supply and demand. And it gives like a market health score for different make models, price of vehicles, et cetera, ultimately to help source the right vehicles at the right price and, and you know, obviously make sure they're desirable um, with consumers. So I think, as always, data um, has that key part to play. I'll be quiet. Um, <laughs> No, not at all. Bex, no, no. It's the joy of delay and uh, moving around the country virtually. Um, Neil, a question to, to think about from your perspective. Obviously, um, you, you've got all the systems in place. You've got people coming in. Are you actively marketing hard now or are you working through, if you like, the demand that's built up during COVID-19? Yes, good point. Uh, uh, uh we're probably at around about 75% of our marketing spend that we would have been spending pre-COVID. So um, is there more uh, opportunity out there? Probably. Do we want to be attacking that opportunity? Mm, we've got enough to be coping with at the moment, really. So I don't see us revving up our marketing spend for another month or so. It will depend purely on how that demand continues. It will depend on what our competitors do. You know, if they start to uh, increase their bid price on Google AdWords, then we're going to have to respond. Um, but in terms of demand as it stands at the moment, we can quite easily function spending 75% of what we were prior to COVID. And um, we're, we're sometimes ending the day still now with more inquiries than we can cope with. So uh, it, I think the next few weeks and probably talking four to six weeks, we'll start to see how this really pans out from a pent up demand perspective and then we'll start to align the budget according you're watching auto retail live uh, and our time has more or less come to an end so i'd just quickly like to run around the panel uh with tips been a really interesting discussion uh, some very practical uh, thoughts and also some deep insight into the market so i hope you found uh, the conversation interesting uh, rupert to you to you first of all what would your takeaway be your tip for people working with used cars at the moment 
Uh, my tip at the moment would be to use re real-time data, work from retail backwards. The market is moving so fast. That's the only way you're going to be able to keep in touch with the trends as they happen. Mark, from your perspective in terms of uh, customers? Um, I think um, it's don't don't forget about your existing customers. You, you might be getting lots of um, inquiries from new customers at the moment, but um, if you if you're letting your existing customers walk out of the door through through lack of attention or lack of capacity to deal with them, um, actually that should be a platform for growth. And if you can do both, then find a way of doing both. Um, that's how you maximise the benefit of the current period. Bex from Auto Trader. Um. I guess it would be, you know, on, on pricing, you know, stay firm, keep sensible on pricing and, you know, where possible, adopt that retail back methodology. And from a car buyer perspective, just nurturing every opportunity, you know, every lead that comes to you in the best way that you can, because as we, as we know, people are buying cars right now more than ever. And Neil, uh, wrapping up for us today, um, a great deal of insight, and thank you for sharing in a very open way uh, your experience of the business. What would your your final tip be for us today? I think what we've realised is really just allow or give the customer multiple options and channels and ways to buy the car. Let them buy the car the way they want to. So if that's click and collect, if that's delivered to the door, if that's still visit a showroom, give them those options. Thank you very much to all of our panellists uh, here today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us uh, for the questions uh, that have come through and enabled us to have a lively discussion. Don't forget, if there's a colleague who wasn't able to join uh, and catch up on this webinar, feel free to share the link with them. They can watch the webinar on Catch Up. Uh, and on behalf of Tristan and the editorial team here at Auto Retail Live, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you soon.